Welcome to episode 40 of Beers, Business, and Balls. As always, this show is presented by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to start your podcast today. It is Thursday, February 4th. We are very close to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are going to match up against Tom Brady in his own stadium on Sunday night for what will be the first time in NFL history someone will get to play the Super Bowl at their home stadium. Jake Zimmer and Will Tondo. We got two great guests, and one of them a former NFL player. It's Quentin Demps. Some of you may know him from his time on the Texans or the Giants or the Bears or the Eagles or wherever it might be. Quentin is back in action, and we had a really good conversation with him. He's up to some good stuff. Yeah, and then we of course had our good friend of the program, second recurring guest, Zaid Admani at Money underscore Explains on TikTok. Uh, he's talking about all things business with us regarding what went down with GameStop, Robin Hood, the suits, Jeff Bezos, all of it. It was a it was a big week, so it was good to include both uh, some Super Bowl talk as well as uh, business as well. But two really really good guests, and we hope you enjoy because I think it's one of the best interviews we had this year so far. Yeah, they they were both great. They really were. And Zaid always, you, you know what you're going to get with Zaid, which is really cool. So. With that being said, the one thing that we have to do is beer. We got to review some beer. Um, we drank a little bit of beer this weekend for what was the first time in um, a couple of weeks that we went out and had a couple of craft selections. So, what are you drinking? Yeah, for the big two four, the twenty fourth, we stopped over at a uh, malted barley go to place. They treat us well there, and they always have a ton of great selections. And this time around, they actually uh, swapped some new things around. And I think we both had all of the new stuff on the menu. And, I mean, going to Malta Barley, they are always providing some top-notch stuff. And I had one over in Maine, Orono Brewing Company. And I had the totally, totally tubular double IPA, uh, 8.5% brewed with El Dorado Citra, uh, Topaz, and Strata. Very, very good beer. Uh, kind of tropical. Um, I only had a taster of it with a couple flights, but I, I liked it a lot. It was not too heavy. had a lot of great flavor. I gave it a four or five. Um, I think I was already a, a few in, so I was a little buzzed <laughs> at that point, but four or five for me. Um, malted barley, stay hot. They, they always find the good stuff. Um, they had main beer company on there they had lunch which is always a good selection which you you you, if you go to if you go to a restaurant that has lunch i can guarantee they're gonna have good food and uh malted barley i mean we had i had a roast beef sandwich on a pretzel followed by two or three flights of beer i was i was a happy camper to be clear we're not talking about like lunch lunch it's lunch by me lunch by me yes they have (laughs) dinner they have breakfast they have it all and you can it pairs perfectly well with lunch or dinner or breakfast I, I'm all in. What's the line where I feel like everybody gets to a point where four or five beers in, you're just like, oh my God, this is is like so fucking good. No, (laughs) no. I mean, like I definitely, let me rephrase. It depends on what you're drinking, but I was all doubles and and stouts that day. Yeah, I get that. I'm, I'm saying in general, like that's got to happen a lot of people and inflate these ratings, right? Because there comes a point where if you have a bunch of those, they're all going to start tasting the same. Yeah, I also see, though, that, like, you start having a lot of beer, and it just separates. They're either good or great and, like, shitty. That's, yeah. It's like, they can, like, 
they do kind of blend together where it's like when you're rating and like the fours and the four fives all kind of like, eh, you know, they all taste the same and you, you, you just like one more than the other. So you have to rate one a little bit higher, but then it's the polar opposite where like, eh, this beer ain't it. I think when your brain's on autopilot, it becomes a lot simpler. It's either like really good or it sucks. Yeah. And that's a good way to look at it. It really is because all this over analysis goes into it. It's like at the end of the day, it's either a good beer or a bad beer. Um, We try to only review good beers on this show, of course. And I'm going to give you one from our friends at Tilted Barn. Haven't talked a ton about them over the past few uh, months and really in this podcast at all, but they're down in Exeter, Rhode Island, right off Route 4. Go check them out. They have a really cool place, and I'm pretty sure they're closed down for the winter. But in the summer, awesome spot. A lot of picnic tables. You can sit out near the, the pond, bring your own food, bring your pets, enjoy a couple of drinks out there, and they serve the beer in an actual barn. I think that's really cool. I tried Peep Toad by them today. I've had a lot of Tilted Barn beer in the past, but Peep Toad was one that they have started to serve on draft a little bit more um, and a bunch of different beer bars and beer places. Um, It's American Pale Ale, and there's a bunch of Peep Toads on this farm and near the pond, so they just decided to call it Peep Toad. Um, Simple malt bill which basically is just the the grains that go into it, and our favorite American and Southern Hemisphere hops, they say. Hazy, juicy, yet well-balanced, Peep Toad is a perfect example of what we strive for in our beers. I tasted a lot of the hops. They were really good. Um, very hoppy for an American pale ale. It was a better version of Whaler's Rise, in my opinion. Whaler's are pretty good. It's a Rhode Island staple. Call it what you will. A little bit overrated, in my opinion. I think this is what Whaler's was trying to be. Give this a four. I liked it a lot. Uh, that's Peep Toad Tilted Barn Brewing Company in Exeter. Go check them out. I think they're moving soon. Um, yeah, to a little bit of a bigger place, which will be really cool. So without further ado, we're going to hop right into it. We're going to start with former NFL safety Quentin Demps. He's talking about his career, what he learned from Andy Reid, what he thinks about Tom Brady, who beat him all four times that he played him and absolutely carved Demps and the rest of the defense apart. And then we're going to talk to Zaded Mani for some business, break down what happened with GameStop, AMC, all that stuff that Robin Hood and retail investors had endured this past week. So without further ado, here is Quentin Demps from the NFL. All right, everybody with us this week, we have a former NFL safety uh, recently played on the Chicago Bears, a captain in 2017. Quinn and Demps joining us to talk about his career, the Super Bowl, and all things more. Quinn, how are you doing today? I'm doing amazing, big guy. I'm doing amazing. <laughs> I'm hey, doing amazing, man. You're probably doing better than us, too. We just had about six inches of snow. and you're. No, uh, we did, too. We did, too. Yeah. And where are you at? I'm in Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we we yeah. that's we we can't complain that we're in New England, so we, we can't really yeah. complain about Chicago uh, stuff, so, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got the yeah. snow too, so we're all yeah we're all suffering for that as a whole. But how's everything been with you? Man, everything's been cool, man. It's my my third year out of I mean out of the NFL, and I'm finally hitting the stride. You know, it's, the transition was pretty tough, man. It's been. It's been exhausting to say the least, man, but I'm excited about, you know, what's next for real. So you were hesitant on saying the word. Are you officially retired or can we? Uh... Yeah. 
No, hell yeah. Um, if you could start stirring up some drama, uh, you know, <laughs> Quinn and Dempsey is still, the, fr- the legs are still fresh. We got a safety for the 2021 season, but the retirement. Hey, hey my hamstrings hurt when I look at Tyreek Hill running a, running a goal. Oh, out. man. I couldn't, ima- I couldn't imagine being out there right now. I'd probably pop the Achilles or something. Hey, them guys, they, they, them guys is running, man. Your young boys is running them hamstrings, is moving, man. Yeah. For real. For real, for real. So definitely yeah. to see uh you know how you think how you see the players already, you know, three years out of the league, how how much they've changed. But you know, yeah. let's talk about you first. You know, tell tell the listeners who is Quentin Demps. Yeah, Quentin Demps. I am uh um I'm just a creative human being that's as real as they come. Uh I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm an artist, I'm a scholar you know i'm a retired professional athlete i'm a whole bunch of things man but um yeah i'm a whole bunch of things that i can't you know just i don't know no i don't know that's a loaded question but yeah, right. <laughs> i named i named a few man but yeah i'm just on a journey man i'm just on a venture of life like everybody else trying to do this thing the best way i can man trying to figure it out you know what works for me what doesn't man trying to make an impact you know and leave a good a good legacy behind so that journey started all the way back at UTEP, University of Texas at El Paso. Um, you're a, a Texas kid um, and then ended up going to UTEP. So take us back to your college days. You were clearly one of the best defensive backs in the recent history of that program. You had two 100-yard uh, basically pick sixes during your time there, among many other things. So at what point did you knew that you kind of had what it took to, to take this next step and be in the NFL? Hey, nobody, nobody highlights that 200-yard-plus interception <laughs> returns. That's like an NCAA record or something like that, right? I think yeah. it is. It's yeah. in yeah, some it's kind of record book. That's yeah, insane. I, I, need, I know. I need my, my shoes in Canada or something, right? Something like that. I need some <laughs> kind of – I don't get anything for that. Well, we, we <laughs> highlight the facts. We want to – All we're doing – yeah, it's not like we made it up. It's, yeah. a, it's a fact, man. And that was big, man. I, I missed the I, that was that was pretty fun too. Going 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 hundred yards twice, man. That was pretty dope. I was pretty damn good in college, man. I, I really was. But yeah, man, UTEP was UTEP was it was man. It was an experience for me, man. Like it was um, it you know it was it was D one. It was a small D one, but it was still D one. And like you know, it was uh, it was fun, man. It was fun, exciting. I think I knew I knew after my like I didn't I didn't go to UTEP thinking I was gonna make it to the NFL. I just, I just, you know, free school. My mom was like, get the hell out of here. But like, uh, I want to say, man, so I redshirted. And so probably my, my third year, my sophomore year, I started getting like letters from agents. I'm like, oh, damn, I got a shot to make it, you know? And um, I had, a, I had a really good friend come in my life. Uh, he passed away. His name's LaPoy Smith, but he was an agent at the time. And um, he put me on the right path, man, because I, I still had that little that, that ghetto boy in me, you know, smoking weed, walking around with your hair looking crazy. So he kind of like helped me grow up. And so right around my junior year, man, I locked in like never before. Like, man, I, I go to class. I became a leader. You know what I mean? I was a leader, like by example. And so um, sure enough, man, I, I knew I knew part of my junior year, man, I was going to make it. Yeah, and then, you know, you were chosen in the fourth round, 117th overall pick by the Eagles in 2008. Um, what was your draft day experience like? And were you kind of surprised that you slipped that far? I mean, it's still a huge honor to be drafted. Um, yeah. and not many people get to say that they walked across that stage and got drafted. But were you still a little surprised that it was the fourth round? 
Yeah, I was pissed. I was pissed. I went fourth round because I was I was it was only two safeties who ran four three. You know, and, and going to the combine, I started talking about the 40, man. You run a fast 40, man. You can go from six rounds to first round. So I'm like, man, a, a safety running a 4-3, I should at least go, you know, first day, first or second round. No, I, I knew about – I was thinking about second round maybe like – but I was like, man, I didn't go second or third. So I, I was pissed that night. So I ended up I ended up going out and getting faded, you know, getting faded. <laughs> we got faded, man. And uh, – Sure enough, the next day I was asleep. I was so I was so I had a hangover. I was asleep, man. And um, like Andy Reid, they was calling. They kept calling my phone, but I was knocked out because I had you know I had drink all night. <laughs> <laughs> so they ended up calling my mother, my mother, and she busted my room. Hey, boy, pick up your phone. Andy Reid on the phone. And so I got on the phone with a hangover, like hello, you know. And then and then yeah, man, it was just like you know, it was just, I was just, it was happy, man. It was you know one of the best moments ever, you know what I'm saying. But I was knocked. I was mad, so. But yeah, man, I you know that was it's dope, man. It was it's a great feeling for real. So then you get to the Eagles, and I'm sure you could probably have we could have one podcast show just about that night, and we fill that up with an hour for sure. But <laughs> you go and uh, you start with the Eagles, and that you're walking into you're you're not walking into some bottom of the barrel team here. You're walking into a really really good team. You had Michael Vick uh, on that team at one point. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like Brian Dawkins were in that locker room, Asante Samuel, all that good stuff. Um, so when you walked in, who were the guys that you immediately got close with? And, you know, were, were you just like starstruck by the caliber of the talent in the locker room? Bro, I was starstruck to the max. <laughs> when I walked in the training room to do my physical, bro, I saw Brian Dawkins there with his little, his little uh, do-rag thing on. I was like, man, 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 this dude, like he's 250. But he only 205, but he looked swole like he just chiseled. I'm like, man, that's Brian Dawkins, man. What the hell? Where am I at? Somebody pinned me, man. So, but yeah, man, uh, man, it was, man, I was starstruck for real, man. I see guys like Brian Westbrook, bro, Donovan McNabb. I was like, man, what the hell? Sheldon Brown, you know, Lito Shepard. I'm like, what the hell? This is, they were stacked, bro. It was a stacked team that I think about it. Like, they were stacked, bro. So, but yeah, man, it, you know, it was, um, I kind of gravitated towards, the other rookies, man, at the time, because it was such like an older team that like you had to really like prove yourself. You couldn't come in here and be, you know, what I mean, you had to come earn your earn your keep. So, but um, as as time went on, man, you know, the DBs, you know, Brian Dawkins and Tante Sammy, we all we all were close and stuff too. Quentin Michael, he's really close with you know Sean Considine and stuff like that, man. So, yeah. And that team was obviously a you know a very good one. You came close to the Super Bowl uh, that season. Uh, but you know, I'm a Giants fan, and you ended up being a Giant, which that's how I know you. But <laughs> the Giants took you guys down 23-11 in the divisional round. Uh, your offense came back from a huge deficit, but um, Kurt Warner from the Cardinals threw a last-minute touchdown to beat the Eagles that following game. Or, no, sorry, you beat the Giants, and then – Right, it was the Giants, uh, and then – the Giants yeah. lost the Cardinals. Uh, what yeah. was it like getting the, so close but missing out? Man, man, it was – I didn't know at the time how hard it was to get back. I thought it was going to be like that every year. I'm like, man, shoot, we got a good team. We got McNabb. And so, man, I didn't even really embrace it. I was like, man, this is, you know, we, this is what I, I'm i used to. Like, this is what's going to happen all the time. And uh, But now looking back, man, it was, man, getting that close, man, it was devastating losing. It's like, oh, my God, I didn't know I was that close at the beginning. I mean, like, you didn't know. Like, you don't know. Like, it was my rookie year, so I didn't really know what it, what it, what it you know, how, how, how tough it was to get back every year. But man, it was man, it's man, it's man, it's, it's devastating getting that close, man, not making it, like for real. 
And after that moment, I'm curious to see what those vets did. You know, the guys like Brian Dawkins, who I'm sure were, you know, you guys were both defensive backs. I'm sure he was mentoring you, showing you the ways of the, yeah. the game and all that good stuff. Um, what did he have to say during, you know, right after you guys got bounced in the NFC championship? Like, was he yeah. the, the vocal leader during all this? Or maybe did other guys step up and, and try to make some sense out of it? Not really, bro. Not really, bro. I just remember everybody being so crushed, man. Nobody really had anything to say. Like I, I mean, and I was and I was really really young, man. So like it was just like it was, man. It was it just felt like it was like I, I think I think everybody knew the team was about to be like broke up. You know what I'm saying? Because I think next year Dawkins left, and uh, you know stuff had happened. So it was it was kind of like man, it was like now or never, and that was our never moment. It was like man, we gotta go, you know we gotta rebuild kind of. And so man, it, it was man. It was, nobody really said anything, bro. Honestly, like my coach, like it was it was it was weird, man. It's like it was like devastating for real you know what i'm saying like to get that close for brian dawkins and all them mcnab was like man you know so we, we were all just really hurt bro like it wasn't it wasn't no talking like nobody could say anything yeah that's that's nuts and then the the you make a great point because you never really had another season where you you went that far too it was a couple of postseason games here and there you, yeah. you played on some great teams for sure but you never quite made it back there so um, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, let's talk Andy Reid, too. He was your first coach. Uh, he's a guy that drafted you fourth round. Yeah. And now you see what he's doing with the Chiefs. You see all the success he had after, you know, that core group and then went on to go build really an empire over in Kansas City. What do you think from your perspective made him a, a great coach and maybe some things that you might have taken away from your time with him? Just, man, this is like, this how this how really is. Like he he ain't got no full gazy about him, man. Like, and that business man, coaches they gotta be kind of like they gotta kind of be standoffish and 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 have some bullshit every now and again. But Andy Reid, he ain't he shooting it straight <laughs> like a like an arrow. Like he don't care who you are, what you got going on. Even even like when I was younger, and like in training camp and stuff, like it wasn't no oh you oh you Brian Duncan, so you're not getting hit tonight or like you're not tackling no no everybody's live. Westbrook, you live too. <laughs> like how the kid, he didn't care about what you, what status you was. Like, you know, we trying to get better, man. So like, just him, just him being su like super authentic, man, and like being a players' coach. Like, ain't none of that old like suit and tie stuff. Like, y'all, y'all get comfortable when we travel. You know, don't. I mean, it's just man, he's just like a, a pure players' coach, bro. But he also like has that balance of being serious and knowing like, like, look, man, I'm gonna give you some leeway, but you gotta show up or I'm gonna cut it out. Like, you know, what I'm saying, just treat us like treat us like grown men. You know I mean, that's playing the game for a living versus like little boys that don't know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? So he just he just super solid dude, man. Like a like just a dope ass individual, <clears throat> and then a better even like an even better coach too. And you played on you know a lot of great teams as well: Giants, Chiefs, the Texans, and the Bears. Were there any coaches or players you know like a Dawkins and like a uh, Andy Reid that kind of brought that same memories to you that, you know, that really stood out and helped shape your career and yourself as a person? Yeah. Um, I mean, for for good and bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. For both. Yeah. Um, role, he, he, he played a good, he played a role in, in my, in my, in my, um, just my, my experiences growing. Uh, a guy named Glover Quinn, Danielle Manning. Um, sure. JJ, JJ Watt, Brian Cushing. Jonathan Joseph, like these, like seeing, like seeing these guys, man, in person, I, I, I kind of pulled away from all of them, man, and, and put it into my own little flavor. You know what I mean? But uh, Quentin, Quentin Michael too, I don't know if y'all know him, but like he, he really played a big, 
a big factor, man, into who I, who I became as a professional athlete too. Jason Avant, um, you know, just guys like that, man, really, really played a factor into who, who I became at the, you know, at the tail end of my career. So as I as I matured and grew up, you know, like you just, uh, but yeah, Dawkins for sure was a was one of the main ones that had an impact on my career. Just how he practiced, bro. Just how he practiced, man. Like being who he was and the way he practiced so hard still, I was like, wow. Like, this dude would be in walkthrough going full speed. We like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> like, dog, chill, man. But like, that's just <laughs> like we in a walk, like, you know, he's locked in. Like he took the walkthrough as serious as the game. That's what I'm trying to tell the young guys. Like, bro, the walkthrough is everything like that's where your attention to detail got to be the highest whereas everybody else is slacking on that thing like it's a walkthrough man we can go chill like no bro this is the most important time right here this is the last rehearsal you know what i mean so i learned that from dawkins though and i you know and that helped me out in my career and on the flip side were there any young guys that you kind of took under your wing and you're now seeing them blossom in the league or keep in touch or just yeah. anything in general yeah man a guy named uh sherry mcmanus Matter of fact, he's still playing for the Bears. Um, you know, I kind of took him under my wing. Uh, kind of some few guys who who not who didn't really last long, but they they played like three or four years. You know what I'm saying? As I moved around so much, it was hard like to keep somebody like just always, you know, be a mentor, man. But I, you know, I definitely had a share of young guys, man, look up to me, and um, I was able to help out for sure. That's really awesome to hear that. Um, I want to talk about the Texans. You just made a good point about JJ Watt. How you got pretty close with him. Um, the Texans are obviously in a real tough situation right now. You know, obviously Watson wants out. Um, there's rumors that Watt might get shopped too. Um, what do you make of what's going on in, in Houston right now? Um, just from the perspective of having played there a couple of years ago and just seeing all these guys being so unsatisfied with the culture. Yeah, they just they just in panic mode because they finally got the quarterback. And now it's just like, you know, everybody's, they don't know what to do. It's like, man, you got your quarterback. Now what? Like, why? You know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. Like, you know, it's like teams just we want that one guy, and when we finally get him, we can't, we can't build anything around him right away. I just think they need to be patient. Like, even Deshaun, like they gotta be patient. Like, bro, just be patient. Like, they fired the coach. I mean, they're gonna try somebody else. Like, because it doesn't go your way, it doesn't mean like you gotta like throw a fit, man. Like, <laughs> you getting played to play a game for a living. Like, you know, and so I, I feel you being disgruntled, but at the same time, bro, like. Every year is different. Every season different. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, it's not it's not going to change. And you're not going. It's not going to happen overnight. You know. So, I just I don't know. I just I just see it differently now that I'm that I'm out. It's just like sometimes we cry over the, the craziest things while we while we. You I mean like I'm just like, bro. I understand. I understand. But bro, it's a game for a living, and you a leader for your team. Like. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Like what? Like what? You like you can't change everything. Like it can't. Everything ain't gonna go your way, bro. <laughs> you a human, first of all. Like, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I just I don't know, bro. Like, no, I don't know sense. what's going. I don't know what's going over there, man. It's just like they they in panic mode. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So you're in panic mode, man. Exactly. So it'll be definitely interesting to see. Uh, you know, what, what comes out of that situation? You know, who knows yeah. if uh, they can convince him to say, I mean, it's going to be a uh, pretty penny to get to sell oh, yeah. off that team after watching, you know, uh, Matthew yeah. Stafford trade collect two first round picks. You know, they're going <laughs> yeah. to have to mortgage the house to get to Sean Watson. You have to mortgage the house. <laughs> yeah. Lee. 
I don't. Th- I don't think anybody gonna do that though. I mean, shoot. Not, yeah, not. He too. He too young. A Jets are a team to uh, ship off seven first round. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, the Jets. <laughs> nah, that's cool. With their track record, that's probably not a good idea for them too. But it's just a Jets move, man. It's at this point, it's <laughs> would would anyone really be surprised if the Jets did that? No, of course not. What about man? I never, I never seen the Browns being this good though. Yeah, the Browns. So the Jets got they got. It's gonna happen. That's what I'm saying. Just take the time. Just yeah. Sean Watson. Stay the course, baby. Like, you know what I mean? Like, man, bro, I've never seen the Browns being beating the, beating the Steelers in the playoffs, bro. What? Like, man, yeah, they surprised that, me, that's, bro. That's another really good point, too. It's like Baker stuck around, and he weathered yeah. the storm through that team. Do you yeah. think that – you know, I, I actually see your point now where it's like, you know, maybe if Watson holds off a few more years and they allow the pieces yeah. to build around him, maybe he's in a situation right. like that. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely, bro. Like you gotta, bro. Just stay the course. It's your, it's your career. It's your journey. Like stop, flip, like, it's not basketball. Like stop flip flopping. Like you, the franchise quarterback, getting paid millions of dollars, bro. Like they gonna figure it out best they can. Like keep saying your opinions and stuff like that, but don't like be disgruntled or not play because it's not going your way. You know what I'm saying? That's what I feel like you're doing it because you, you're spoiled. <laughs> Versus like, you know what I'm saying? Get with them in a meeting. Like go sit down with them. Like grown man. Like bro, okay, that's what y'all did, but can we do this? Let's do that. Let's do, I mean, like so. It's just I don't know. <laughs> It just again, I'm just I just see it differently now that I'm out. Like, it just takes time, bro. You got to weather the storm, man. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, and speaking of someone that weathered the storm, uh, Tom Brady. You know, he came in, yep. drafted very, very low. Uh, had his opportunity once. Uh, was it Bledsoe that got injured? Yeah. You know, he weathered the storm, and then he created an absolute dynasty and created a legacy over at New England. Uh, you had the honor of playing against him four times in the regular season and once in the playoffs. Brady averaged over 34 points in those four games. What makes him so hard to defend? He, man, he just he just good. <laughs> <laughs> that simple, huh? Bro, he just this is demeanor, man. Like, damn, like he just he just man. I, but we see now, though it ain't Belichick. Like we see now, we see the see the root of the issue. I mean, we see that we see the we see the goat. This man, this man, left your team and made it back to the Super Bowl, and y'all ain't even y'all ain't even beat the Dolphins twice this year. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and so man, he's just man, he's just smart man. His poise, his um, you know, his, his experience. Of course, his coaching too. Like I'm sure Belichick, you know, there's still some stuff in him that he didn't have. You know, so I'm sure they, they took from each other, man. But just man, just just sometimes one of those like you got one of those guys. He one of those guys. One of those Michael Jordans, man. And you can't even explain it. You just watch it and you just see it. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it proves itself. Well, there there really is no question that he's the best quarterback you've ever faced at this point, right? No question. No question at all. Yeah. Who's the number no two? Question. I gotta say Peyton Manning. I guess. Yeah. I gotta say Peyton Manning. Peyton Peyton was Peyton was good too though. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was good. My personal favorite though, I know y'all probably won't like him, but I like Phillip Rivers. Oh, yeah. That's okay. yeah, that's not bad. He had a better cast a lot of times. He he'd probably be more popular than what he was than what he is. Yeah. But just as personally like playing, like it's in game stuff though, y'all probably don't see. That yeah, boy. Yeah, he's, oh. he's got good athletes. You know, when he's mic'd up, he's, he's, uh, he's Yeah, uh, yeah. I like his game. I like like how he talk crap and stuff too. Hey, get out for a second. 
Yeah, I like I like Philip Rivers for real. And then, uh, yeah, who well, I can't think of anybody else that just really tore us up. Yeah, but for sure, Philip Payton. So the game has changed definitely from when you were playing to, um, to you know, kind of what it is now. Um, yeah. First of all, I, I want to get your thoughts on how it's changed and your opinion from seeing it from afar and, and being able to break down the game of these guys. And yeah. I got a follow-up question after that. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing I see, man, is like first and second down is has become five DBs. Like it's a, it's a passing league, like we always say, like, like that, that base package is really going getting thrown out the window, you know what I'm saying? And like, um, and how, how important it is, man, to have that that third corner, you know, that third corner is so huge nowadays. And I see it from I see it from defense too, like as far as the change. Uh, yeah, but that third that third corner is a, he's a starter, like you know he's a starter nowadays. And so, just seeing that, man, and seeing more DBs, you know, being involved, man, is is definitely a change that I think is going to stay around for a while. And even with all these DBs, you've got a guy, the opposing quarterback in the Super Bowl, uh, Pat Mahomes, who has absolutely carved apart everybody. He's got a lot of weapons for sure, so they need to defend him. But the man still goes out there and throws, you know, three, four hundred yards a game and a bunch of touchdowns. So I don't know. Do you think he has a a legitimate claim to this this new kind of face of the league, um, you know, person or? Yeah, no, I mean, I was gonna say that too. The quarterback, the quarterback position, like he's 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 altering it, like he's making it totally different. Like he's he's becoming the Steph Curry of in the NFL. Like he's making that long three popular. <laughs> he making you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He, he do he changes something that we we witnessed him before our eyes that everybody's looking for a caliber quarterback like him, man, for real. Like he's a he's a different breed. Like he's a different he's a different animal. So uh, um, how much of it do you think is the guys around him versus his own talent? I think it's a really healthy mix, but yeah. how much do, does having a guy like Tyreek Hill, who you mentioned, and Travis Kelsey, who is phenomenal run blocker, but arguably one of the best passing uh, or pass-catching tight ends we've seen this century, really, um, yeah. kind of nuts to, to see the, the balance between the two. Yeah, I think, I think man, like you said, it's a, it's a good mix, I think. You know what I mean? Because it's – like you could have that, you can have that centerpiece like like Aaron, but not not have like you know what I mean the other people like, you know what I'm saying. So it's just I guess I mean I think it's coaching too, man. I think Eric Bieniemy is like really really bad. Like he's like he's a good he's probably one of the best coaches I ever seen too. Yeah, like just how he handles the players and stuff like that, man. Like it's you know that's, that plays a huge factor into it too, bro. Just that peace within the organization, which I think the Texans don't have. Like they don't have peace within the you know at the top. And the Giants didn't have that peace either. The Giants didn't have it. The Bears didn't have it. Like it's a special thing to have that peace within the whole from top to bottom, man. That's how you see, um, you know, guys repeat and stuff like that, man. But yeah, I think it's just a mix, though, man. You know, good players, man. Good defense, good coaching. They, they got the total package for real, and it's the it's the special teams too. That coach they have over there, he's fire. <laughs> he's he's so good, and so man, they just I don't know. I think I think Chiefs twenty four, Tampa thirteen. Oh, you already, you already beat us. <laughs> wow. I think they repeat. Yeah, I think they repeat, man. What y'all think? I don't know. You're really going to do Tom Brady like that after what you just said about him? <laughs> I mean, I just think Pat, I just think Pat a little yeah. bit more. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be a good game. I agree. I think it'll be a good game. I agree with you on the Chiefs. 
The one thing that, like, for me that I, I like about Tampa Bay, they have a nice defense right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, know, yeah. JPP, Shaq Barrett, Devin Bush, they've been, they've been lights yeah. out. Um, yeah. And I know the Chiefs O line's a little shaky right now, but Patrick yeah. Holmes doesn't need that much time to, to throw away the ball. So. Good point. But they, they beat him earlier this year, too, right? Did they, they beat, beat him bad? Yeah. What was the score? You know the score? That was 27-24. The Chiefs won. They won by three. Oh, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat Tom twice, too. Yeah. That's the thing, man. It's like it's, it's hard to you want to put your money on the Chiefs, but how much of that is like because the Chiefs are the better football team, but like you can't yeah. count out the man that's been to the Super Bowl ten times. He's gonna he's not even gonna be worried. Yeah, now it's at home. That's that's incredible. Yeah. That's that's crazy too. Like how did how that happen? <laughs> Collusion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because I, I did not see the Buccaneers, you know, the season they had. They were good. They were pretty good, but I did not expect them to, you know, topple the Packers or the Saints and stuff like that. But to make it happen, yeah. I mean, first time, what, in the history that a home team's playing? Yeah, it's an effort. Wow. You know, that, especially that, and they're going to have some fans too. I think it's like 25,000 fans. Yeah, well, it had to be something special because COVID owe us, COVID owe us something like that. Yeah, some kind of history. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> fucking COVID. <laughs> we got we got Quinn and Dempsey locking in the Chiefs. Um, but let's head into your career now. You know, you yeah. retired in 2017. Um, tell us, you know, what the past few years have you know brought to you personally, yeah. professionally. What have you been doing? Man, I've been trying to figure it out, bro. Like it's been, man, just being honest, man, it's been the whirlwind. Like it's it's definitely different, man, leaving that fantasy world to to getting introduced to the real world, man. It's like, it's like when you leave the locker room, man, you like, you gotta say out of mind, even with your homies. It's like, dang, bro, I was just in there with you. Nobody. I mean, so it's just different, man. It's, it's an adjustment, bro. But, um, I just been trying to figure it out, man. Like, um, you know, I've been doing some music cause I'm passionate about music. Um, I recently like, um, just, I'm going to try to get my master's in, um, in, uh, mental counseling, mental, mental health counseling. Um, nice. Yeah, that, that's that was just like as of last week, and so man, like I said, the first two years I was man, I was out of there. I was depressed, going to rehab, man, smoking and drinking. So I'm just now at a place where I don't even do that stuff no more, and I feel healthy. You know, I feel mentally strong, I feel emotionally strong. But it took some time, man. It took a lot of hard work to get where I'm at right now, and so man, I'm excited about the future. But it's definitely a transition, man. If you don't, if you don't have your mind right, bro, it can really, it can really hurt you. So that's why I'm like, I'm going to school to you know, to learn some stuff, to give back to my people, you know, get back to the guys when they, when they, when they leave, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, that's what I've been up to. Just trying awesome. to figure it out. Yeah. Good for you. That's a, um, that's a, the transition must be really tough. Uh, we're good yeah. friends with Marcus Ogden who played with the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and the Titans yeah. among many other teams. And he's been, he, he was, his story is incredible. Uh, we had him on an episode a while ago and, you know, he was rock bottom pretty much. He went bankrupt and had to turn his whole life around. And now he's kind of trying to help other NFL players plan to do the same. So there's a lot of good work uh, going on from the NFL alumni, which is really encouraging to, um, yeah. you know, to see guys like you, you know, getting on your feet, being real successful after your, your time in the field, you know? Yeah, man, it's, it's important. You know, it's important for real. Cause it's so easy to go the other way. Like, man, it's so easy to go downhill, man, never get back up. So, Well, I feel like the money has to contribute to some of that, right? Because for a lot of these guys, you know, among many of the guys that you played with, they really started off, um, talk about rock bottom. I mean, not even be able to put food on their tables and, and worlds that, you know, 
being as fortunate as, you know, most of us are, we really can't even comprehend that. Right. So like with that sort of money and with that sort of fame, it must be, you know, out of control for some of these guys. Right. Yeah, man. It, bro, and it's, it's just like, man, you go from getting like 150,000 a week, man, to nothing, which is, it, I mean, it's hindsight, you say, Oh, well, that's a lot of money. You could just save it up. But yeah, you got to think about inflation. You got to think about taxes. You got to think about nothing coming in for like three or four years. It's like, damn, like, man, like, it's going to disappear. I don't care how good you, I mean, like, of course you could do stuff that, you know, help us stay around, but like, man, it's just like, it's, a, it's just a culture shock to us. It's like, damn, I ain't getting none of that. I, ain't get, I don't get Nike no more. You know, it's just, it's just, man, it's just, it's just, man, it's just, it's real, man. It's like, that's the, to me, that's the hardest part of being a professional athlete, man, is, is getting over the fantasy, you know, getting over that, being spoiled, getting everything you want, like treated like a king to, that real life, man, just like, man, who are you again? You know what I mean? Like, dang, what? You, you just, you despise all the work I just put in for 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just like, man. But um, the good thing about it is, man, it's, it's, it's overcomable. You know what I mean? It's something that um, we all deal with, you know? So it's not anything new to nobody. It's going to happen to all of us. So it's just about, man, being prepared for it, you know? Absolutely. And you're, you're, you're talking a lot of, you're talking a lot of knowledge that uh, is definitely very helpful for someone to come out of the league and yeah. just in general, just general great advice. Uh, let's touch upon one of your other passions that you just mentioned music. Uh, you know, yeah. music is definitely something that many can agree. is just something that makes you feel better, uh, can help yeah. you be motivated, can help you stay on track and just make you feel happy, sad, whatever you want to feel, depending on what you're listening to. What yeah. have you been listening to lately? Oh um, man, I listen to a lot of Lecrae. I don't know if y'all know heard of Lecrae, yeah. but I'm, I've been on, I've been on a spiritual tip, man. So I've been on I've been trying to feed my mind and my my ears, man. Just more more healthy stuff, you know. I know when I first got out, man, it was Future, Future Travis, you know, which is nothing nothing wrong with that at all. But just answer your question, man. I've been on a lot of Lecrae lately, uh, like for real, like that's really it, you know. If I if it ain't Lecrae, then I'm listening to like a, a message or something. You know, something to feed my mind, you know. So, uh, but yeah, man, a lot, a lot of the cray lately, positive, inspirational, but also real and like you know, um, motivate. I mean, like it's just you know, you got a good message there too. So, it's kind of been on that, man. And you said maybe one day in the future that you might produce your own music. Well, I have been, I have been, man, but I kind of put it down right just for a second because I, it, I was doing it for the wrong reasons, and I was, I was just making, I, you know, I, just, it was just trash music. I was talking about the same old stuff. So I just stopped for a minute now, man, to get my mind right. But yeah, man, I love creating. I'm very creative. And so I love writing, stuff like that, man. I have my own studio. And so I've been, I've been doing music for a while. But, um, you know, I'm to a place right now. I'm just kind of, you know, put this it's on the back burner right now, you know. So, uh, yeah, I got to see what, you know, where I can go with that. So obviously you've got, you've got four kids, right? <laughs> What's the... Yeah. Uh, I, I'd imagine a lot of the last four years is being a dad, you know, spending time with your kids. What's the best part about being a dad for you? Um, the unconditional love. Like they, they don't, they love you no matter what, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the hero no matter what. They, they don't care what I did, what I've been through, man. It's, when I walk through the door, it's like, Oh dad, <laughs> the king's here, man. And just being able to have somebody, you know, listen to you, man. And, and trust what you say, you know, like somebody just look up to you no matter what, no matter your flaws, man. It's like, like that, that, that family love is, you know, contagious, man. It's the best thing ever. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Well, Quinn, yeah, 
thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Uh, where can our listeners keep up with your content? Uh, I don't know right now. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm on the ground right now. I, I ain't even doing social media right now, man. So I just appreciate y'all guys, man, reaching out to me. I know we had talked on LinkedIn or whatever, but um, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm in hibernation right now. So when I come out, man, I, I'm going to come out with a, with a bang. I have a feeling people are going to know when you're, when you're back out. Yeah, here, so. yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm plotting up, man. So for sure, man, I'm going to come back with a, with a vengeance, you know, so. But yeah, man, I appreciate y'all having me, man. For real, it was, of course, it was absolutely. Fun too. When you uh, yeah. when you get things rolling again and have everything up, we'll have you on again so you can showcase that as well. All right, perfect, man. Appreciate that for real. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, enjoy the time with the family. Be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, cool, man. Y'all too. As well, Zaid Admani, reoccurring guest. Uh, Admani explains TikTok star, TikTok sensation down in Texas. Friend of the program, Zaid. How are you today? Doing good, guys. How you guys doing? We cannot complain. Cannot complain. We're bringing you back on the show. Uh, we're thankful to have you on. You know, huge followers of our big fan, and we uh, got a lot of great feedback from your original episode. But we want to talk to you about what the hell went down in the business world this week. It was a doozy, dude. So much drama. Love it though. Like this is this is the most drama that I've seen on uh with business news that since in a long time so it was awesome i got i was the least productive work week of my life last <laughs> week with everything going on couldn't couldn't get off my uh, my stock apps i know i mean this, like the way to compare this to people in like sports terms i would say it's like when march madness comes on and everyone's just like i'm watching basketball all day no one's stopping me. It's like, that's pretty much what everyone was with the stock market. What's yep. going on the Twitter, the Twitter fights, the Redditors, everything. So, you know, in your eyes, tell us like, paint us a picture of like what you saw and what went down. So sticking with the March Madness analogy, which is, I love it. That's exactly what it was. It was week one March Madness. And this was basically a fight between the number one seed and the number 16 seed. Mm. Number one seed being the hedge funds, the, the, the fucking suits on Wall Street, the billionaires, right? It all started when they decided to short GameStop, a company that like, you know, basically they're thinking the company's past its prime, right? They're not, they're, they should be worth less than that they were worth, um, you know, than they originally thought. So they shorted the stock thinking they're going to, the prices of the stock is going to go down so they can make money. Bunch of these kids on Reddit, you know, 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds, college kids on Reddit were like, screw that. And in order to stick it to the man, they all just had to collectively buy GameStop stock. <laughs> like, it was a frenzy. And like, when this was happening, I was like, there's no way like, this, they're actually going to have an actual real impact. There's no way there's enough money on Reddit to actually do anything. But there, there was. And this turned into like a huge movement to where the price of GameStop went from like $20 all the way at its peak up to $500. I mean, that's ridiculous, man. This stock 20X in a matter of a week and a half, which is unbelievable. And that caused these hedge funds to lose a shit ton of money, especially Melvin Capital. So Melvin Capital was the number one seed coming in. They're like the dukes of the world. They're like hated already. And the number 16, 16 seed is like this mid-major college coming out of nowhere, but they got players, they got fight, they got, they got heart and they stuck it to them. And it was crazy to see it happen. And that's crazy, you know, to watch truly what the evolution of this stock looked like. So I'm going back on the six month chart here, August 14th of 2020, 
you could have bought GameStop $4.75. Crazy. And then slowly you start getting up. You know, you see it trading around the 10 bucks. And this is September, October, where you see all these frat like investors on Reddit saying, buy GameStop, buy GameStop, sell it at a thousand. It's going to get there. And everyone's like, yeah, all right, dude, I'll, I'll buy a couple of shares to appease you. But then December comes around, you know, we're flirting in the 17, $18 range. And then January comes around and we get up to around 30 bucks. And then all of a sudden <laughs> January 27th, Damn. not a hundred, not 200, 347 bucks in market hours trading. How fucking absurd is that? Dude, it's insane. Like, like company stock values don't increase by like 2x in a year. That's no. rare, right? Like even, you know, if you have a 20%, 25% gain in one year, you're doing fantastic. This shit just went sky, like, like parabolic, you know? <laughs> and so that, that's not supposed to happen. Um, and I think that the biggest like shocker of all of it was like the fact that people were investing in this company when like, the fundamentals were out the door. No one gave a shit about the fact that GameStop is like legitimately a struggling retailer. It became a movement like to prove it to the big guys, prove it to the hedge funds so they can lose a shit ton of money and it worked. Um, like that doesn't, that's not how investing is supposed to work. That's not how the rules of the investing are. That's not the, how the market's supposed to work. But this kind of broke the market, which is why it was huge news. And I mean, it trickled down too because GameStop wasn't the only stock that benefited from this. AMC, uh, Nokia, BlackBerry, Naked Brands, all of it. It just started. They were all Dogecoin. I mean, shit. Build a, <laughs> build a, build a Bear was getting some steam for a bit too. It's, it's like, like all of these random companies that you know clearly are not doing too well in their own financials were just exploding. But in terms of like you mentioned it perfectly, it's like no one gave a rat's ass on what it was it was just like oh gamestop's trending right now and i don't have a robin robin hood account or e-trade i'm just gonna throw 500 bucks in it and i'm gonna see i'm just gonna ride the wave how scary is this for future investing and how scary is this for the market you know it's hard to tell what this means for the future like this could just been a flash in the pan right like it could just be like hey we had a moment we all got together that was fun um I really don't know what this actually means for the future. Like, are we going to be, are, are, are we going to have more pumps on the, you know, for these so-called meme stocks or like, what's the next meme stock? Is that actually a thing? Are we going to see like, and there's actually like a pattern. If you think about the, the companies that started going sky high, it's typically a, a brand that people associated with, with their childhood, right? AMC, um, Nokia, uh, GameStop. We all went to the movies. It's, you know, we all know AMC. We all know GameStop. Nokia. Everyone had those brick phones as a kid. Um, I think that was part of the reason that they became meme stocks is because they were brands that people were aware of that they were familiar with. I just don't know if this just now that the GameStop price is coming down. I don't know if like this will just be completely deflating and we're not going to see another meme stock pump. I think that we'll probably we'll probably see a couple more, but I just feel like I'm not sure if we're gonna have the same energy as this GameStop movement did. But as far as like bigger picture stuff, man, like what I what I worry about is like, is this gonna result in regulation that might ultimately hurt retail investors, right? Like if if um, the government or or apps get involved of like, oh, we want to protect retail investors from like gambling on the stock market. That's what I fear um, because. You know, yes, people, some retail investors, people like you and me are, are going to lose money or that, that have lost money in GameStop. 
But I just don't want that to be a reason for there to be more regulation to prevent us from investing in the stock market because one of the fastest way to acquiring wealth and, and, and grow your money is through investing. I don't, less barriers, the better. In terms of now we're going to talk about the individual, you know, brokerage accounts. We saw the events take place. You know, it was the battle between, you know, these retail investors, the Twitter market and the suits. Robin Hood stepped in and that was kind of like the tipping point of this is a ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. They did not freeze the stock. They just did not allow people, they put limit shares on, they did not allow people to buy it. It completely destroyed their reputation in, in my eyes and in a lot of people's eyes. What do you take from what Robin and what do you see going forward? Yeah, that's, that's a good man. That's a good point. Like, so Robinhood, their biggest flaw in this whole thing was, first of all, the optics weren't good, right? GameStop is pumping $300 plus on a Wednesday at market close. Things are going crazy. And these, these hedge funds are losing billions of dollars. Thursday, they, they, Robinhood stops trading. Those are horrible optics. And the reason it's bad is because they never explained what the hell they were doing. All of a sudden, it's like, I, I can't invest in Robinhood and I can't invest in GameStop anymore because of market volatility, because of just no legitimate reason. That's the shit that was really shady. Everyone started make, you know, throwing stories out there like, oh, Robinhood is, in, you know, is basically boys with the, with the hedge funds. They're, they're doing their boys a favor, which is why they start, stopped trading uh, these, uh, these meme stocks. After a while, now that it's been a few days, you know, the, the reports are coming out that it was actually a liquidity issue. Robinhood was basically running out of cash. So necessarily, it wasn't necessarily something that uh, was like sketchy. Maybe there is probably something sketchy happening, but like it wasn't as sketchy as like everyone immediately assumed. But what Robinhood really screwed up on was communicating this information because now everyone is thinking they're trying to manipulate the markets by not allowing people to buy into the stock, which completely tanked the stock price. The stock price went from, I don't remember anymore, but it was like 300 something and went down to below 200, eventually down to below 100 because Robinhood wouldn't allow people to buy anymore. But they just did a really poor job of communicating it. And that's what, that's what I think people, you know, like if, if you're putting your money, you know, thousands of dollars into a brokerage account, there needs to be full on transparency from your brokerage account on what the hell is going on why we can't buy stuff. Don't just say shit like, oh, we're protecting you, which is why I won't let you buy. That's bullshit. There has to be a better explanation than that. And the CEO of Robinhood did a really poor job of like explaining it, even after the fact. It wasn't until late in the week and early this week where they started to do a better job of explaining what the hell is going on. And Vlad Tenev, I, I hear you. He went on a bunch of um, you know, he went on like CNN and he went on CNBC and a few other news platforms. And they basically asked them, you know, what are you doing, dude? Like, what's give the people a reason why they can't buy new positions in these stocks. Right. And he certainly failed to articulate himself because he kept saying, you know, oh, we just have to report to the clearinghouses. Um, like, you know, DTCC is a big one, Depository Trust and Clearing Corp. They had to report, um, you know, I guess they quite literally had a liquidity issue, but he kept... Yep guising it as though he didn't. So I guess like, what's the line for these people? Like where, where in the future is there going to be a point where, you know, these guys just have to say, all right, we're doing the same thing. We're shutting it down. It's too risky, too volatile. And the free market and the democratized trading is Robin Hood brands themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's again, that I, I don't, 
I think the reason Vlad was dancing, he didn't want to say the word liquidity issue, even though that's exactly what they had. Yeah, they then why did he money. lie about it? Too? Maybe not lie, but why did he not just say that in the first place? That's what I'm bugging about. I don't understand. Maybe just he didn't want to be in a position of weakness of like, oh, uh, if if I say there's a liquidity issue, then even more people are going to try to like, you know, put, put, you know, put a short squeeze on. I, I really don't get it. Um, whoever coached him there did a really shitty job. He really, <laughs> honestly, what he should have done, if I was Vlad, I would have been like, guys, we're in deep shit right now. We were having, I would have said we were having money issues because of the clearing houses. I mean, just be straight up, Right. He would have he would have probably not only saved his company's brand, but he probably would have been like an even bigger legend of like, yo, these clearing houses are changing the rules on us. We have to like put up way more cash. We don't have that cash because we weren't expecting this. We're taking out three billion dollars in loans right now. So bear with us. We're figuring this shit out. But, but until we do, we have to put a limit. Otherwise, we're gonna go fucking bankrupt. So sorry, bros. We have this is what's going on. But he didn't do that. He was just dancing around. He was just dancing around the question of like, oh no, with these clearing houses, just freaking be honest and be upfront. That's the way he should have handled it. So, and when he when, when you're not, people assume the worst. People assume, yo, this guy's boys with Citadel. Citadel just called in a favor. Like, even if that, that that's not what happened, but that's what people are gonna assume when you're being shady on CNN and CNBC. This is why your content's A plus because you literally <laughs> this is like a video of you just like explaining the situation. Where it's like Vlad, like sitting there, yo guys, we're in deep shit. What should we do? You should just say we don't have a liquidity issue, but then say we do afterwards. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. We're gonna do. Yeah, that. <laughs> I mean, Vlad should have just called me because, like, he, I mean, I, again, his his PR people just did a really poor job coaching him, and you know, as a CEO, he probably should have just been like, no, like, just be straight up. Um, I mean, you know, he's he's a young guy. Like, obviously, he it's a really difficult position to be in. And I was pretty enraged when it, when it all went down. I was like ranting and shit. Like, I was really really upset at Robin Hood because again, I'm thinking Citadel called in a favor, but that's not what happened. And he just did a really bad bad job of explaining what happened. And it wasn't until days later when the damage is done to your brand, dude. The damage is done. That's when things are starting to come out. That's when they send the emails of what happened. You got to have open and honest communication of what's going on and how you're going to fix it. And people will be willing to forgive you and work with you if you're open and honest up front. It's when you're not is when people start losing trust in you. I think the icing on the cake for Robin Hood too was, this was already a battle in social media. This was already, you know, everyone fighting against everybody. And they dug up the tweets of back in 2015 <laughs> or 16. It's like, let the people trade. Let them trade. Let them trade. And it's like, <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> your PR people were clearly in the shitter that day because they couldn't even go through their Twitter and be like, all right, what did we say like six years ago? And what these like, it's it's like, that was like freezing cold day to retweet it. Like, yep. This it's is beautiful. an issue, but you touch upon, you know, the short squeeze in general. Do you think that that term is going extinct after an event like this? Uh, I mean, if, if we have regulations that come down that prevent, you know, companies and hedge funds to short a stock to, you know, to limit shorting a stock, it's possible. Um, but if these hedge funds continue to short, you know, short a stock, I don't think short squeeze is going away. Um, you know, a short squeeze is just a, a phenomenon that would happen if a stock is short. I mean, a short squeeze can happen. It, it never gets as intense as this as what we saw at GameStop. That's a very, very once in a lifetime kind of thing. But I mean, what I've been reading is that these hedge funds, 
like that. I mean, they're big egos going at each other, right? So one hedge fund in order to fuck over another hedge fund will purposely short squeeze a stock because just, just to fuck over another hedge fund, not because they believe in the company to invest in. They just want to screw over their dude that they are, that they're competing with. So I think, I don't think short squeezes are going away. I mean, I think the, the good one, another good thing about this whole thing that happened is people gain some financial literacy of like how this shit actually works. Like what, I think people started to understand what is actually shorting a stock. Shorting a stock is a matter of borrowing it and then selling it before you own any shares. I don't think people knew what these things actually meant. They just heard the word short and they thought that, okay, you make money by stock market, the stock going down, but how does that actually work? And so I think that's one good thing that came out of this, from this whole saga. People just got better educated. And yeah, I, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. I didn't know what a short squeeze was before this too. Right. So, I mean, the education part is huge because, you know, apps like Robinhood make it so easy for anybody to get involved. And it's like when, you know, the pandemic hit and the stock market was, you know, tumbling down and people had that extra expo- uh, disposable income, they're like, hey, everyone on Twitter saying to invest, might as well invest. And but there was no education behind it. There was no merit behind what I'm investing in. It's like, oh yeah, I like McDonald's and I eat McDonald's, so I'm going to invest in it. It's like, you have that consumer insight, but they don't understand the financials. And this was definitely an eye-opening situation for uh, any retail investor to uh, to see. And, and, my, and my hot take is, my hot take is that like, that's, if you if you just start off investing by like investing in your favorite companies, as long as you're not like blowing your entire paycheck on it, like that's not a bad way to start oh, investing. Yeah, that's kind of how I started. Was like I didn't know what I was doing. I just invested in companies that like, hey, I I spend a lot of time on YouTube. I'm gonna buy some Google stock, and I didn't really know what I was doing when I was 18 and 19 years old. Um, so I don't think that's a bad way to start. But like, yeah, I think now that more and more, I think that like investing is starting to become more mainstream and not just, you know, like things that suits talk about. I think more and more people are going to become more educated. And that's kind of what I try to focus my content on is just try to educate more and more people and like try to explain to them that this finance stuff, yes, there's a lot of nuance and complications, but like 75 to 80% of it is very, very simple and actually pretty cool to understand. And if you just understand like the basics, it'll help you become a better investor and help you grow wealth over, you know, over, over time. So, Will, you just said, you know, people were digging up old Robin Hood tweets and people is Zade. And that's, <laughs> you dug up the let people trade on March 23rd, 2016. He quote tweeted and go, but not really. So, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for enlightening us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that tweet was going around a lot on Thursday when, when they stopped trading of uh, GameStop. Yeah, ridiculous. But um, something I want to talk about too, someone that did really well despite all this uh, stuff and it's probably going to have some really good um, you know, long-term outlook. That's Virgin Galactic Holdings trading at SPCE. They went up over the past week from around, they got as low as 42 bucks. They're trading at 57 now. Um, that's one that a lot of investors are saying it's still not too high. Uh, get in on it. And I feel like that's been in the news for a few months now. Um, thought, thoughts on Virgin Galactic here? Yeah, I mean, I've I haven't um, done any deep dives on these space stocks. Like Virgin Galactic is probably like the the biggest one right now. Um, I know there's more there's more uh, space companies that are going to be uh, going public soon. SpaceX being the monster big one. I'm not sure if they're going to go public this year, but um, you know, 
I, that's a very, very speculative stock. You know, it's like, can, can Virgin Galactic actually pull off these moonshot space missions that they're trying to plan? Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've seen Virgin Galactic go nuts. I've been, I mean, it's a lot, that's been one of the most talked about stocks this week is they're just, they're just, they keep going higher. Um, but I'm not, I'm just not sure if this is just, you know, another, uh, speculation right now and it'll come back down. I really don't know. I just don't have a good feel for that industry right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we had this hectic week and one thing that kind of got pushed under the rug, I would say, which took place yesterday was Amazon CEO, Jeff Bezos stepping down at, uh, I believe it's quarter three, maybe quarter yep. two. I don't know off the top of my head, but he'll take on more of a, uh, a chairman role. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, that was a shock. That was shocking. Like I was shocked that Bezos is stepping down. I mean, he's arguably the greatest entrepreneur of our generation. I mean, this guy took a company that he created in his garage in 1994 and turned it into a $1.5 trillion company. Like that's insane, man. Um, and the way he did it too, like he basically ran Amazon for no profit, zero profits for the longest time and, and, and just try to focus on growth, 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 and focus on profits later. I mean, that model is now followed by literally every tech company. So, I mean, he might be the greatest entrepreneur of our time. Um, and I just, I mean, <laughs> I really feel bad for the guy who's taken over his, what's the, Andy something? I, for, I forget his name. Yeah, Andy Jassy. Yep. Yeah. Andy Jassy. Smart dude. He's been at Amazon for, you know, basically one year less than Jeff Bezos. He's been there forever, but like, goddamn, like imagine if like there's one tiny, like imagine if you like you get like your package delivered one day late, you're going to fucking blame Andy Jassy for like not running a tight <laughs> ship at Amazon. You know, it's like, he's going to get all the shit now. If like Amazon starts slipping just a little bit. Is that, is that the toughest shoes to fill in anything ever? Like even I'm thinking about sports and you know, like the, the bulls must've been pretty bogged down to try to fill in Michael Jordan. Like, you know, Cam Newton filling in for Tom Brady. But I mean, this, I, I feel like this pales in comparison. Like it's not even close. I feel like this is the biggest shoes to fill in any recent sports, you know, business, anything like that. Um, any of those the endeavors. Autonomy, the autonomy is there though. It's like Amazon's just like, they already, you know, for what we know, they probably already have a, a 30 year plan. So yeah, they probably do. <laughs> You know, they're going to have their own airlines, their own phones, and it's like... Shame on us for thinking he's, like, actually, like... Well, I mean, let me rephrase. Shame on us for thinking there's not a real good plan in place. I, yeah. I agree with you. It's crazy. I, you know, but I, I actually think this could be pretty important. Like, so when this... I guess the closest thing we have to, to think about this would be when Bill Gates stepped down of Microsoft as Microsoft's CEO. I think it was 2000 or 2001, and um, a bomber took over uh, as, as a CEO, and yeah, he had a pretty good run, but he was like kind of a shitty CEO. Like Microsoft kind of stalled out um, when, when Balmer became CEO of, of Microsoft. And it wasn't until he left where Microsoft kind of got their groove back. So, I mean, I'm, I'm wishing, wishing Andy Jassy the best, but like he could kind of fuck this up. I mean, Amazon's <laughs> not going to go extinct and Amazon's not going to like lose half their value or anything. But like if they lose their edge, which Microsoft lost when, when Bomber took over. Like if, if Amazon loses their edge, it just results in you know, Amazon's competitors, like Walmart being one of their biggest ones, coming in and trying to take a bigger uh, piece of that pie. So you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Jassy. I mean, the, the other, I guess, big high-pressure situation recently would be when Bob Iger, the, the legendary CEO of Disney, he stepped down, I think, like in February. 
And the guy who took over, um, I think his name is also Bob, Bob Chapik. I mean, imagine filling those shoes, man. Bob Iger is, what, 10, 15 years as CEO of Disney. Freaking all the baller moves he made is like acquiring Marvel, acquiring Star Wars, acquiring like literally the best um, franchises and turning Disney into a mass, just even a bigger behemoth than it was before. So Bob Chapik is probably, uh, 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 I feel, you know, I feel for him. And then, and then, and then Andy Jassy, man, like it's going to be tough shoes to fill, but um, you know, if he's been there for so long and I'm sure he's been groomed by Bezos for a long time, I think, I think uh, I, you know, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, and that's the general sentiment, I think, from Amazon employees. They respect him a lot. Um, stock prices are fairly consistent, so I'm going to have to see if they grow in the near future. Maybe they'll roll out some new initiatives to, to kind of get his feet going. But, um, yeah, Amazon's got to be something to watch. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, Quentin Demps just came on before you. So you have any big predictions here? You think Tom Brady does it again for the 10th time um, getting damn. to the Super Bowl, and now he gets to do it in his home stadium? Or... Is this going to be more of a passing of the torch? Dude, uh, I've been going back and forth. Like, I've literally gone back and forth. Every single day, I'm switching my picks. Uh, I started off like, oh, Pat's got this. Mahomes has got this. Like, no one's stopping this guy. And then you hear all this news about his offensive linemen. And like, oh, they're banged up. And like, oh, the pass rush of the Bucks. And then Brady's like dialed in. Like, he's like just in the zone. And like, <laughs> God damn. Like, is he going to pull this shit off like again? And like uh low-key i was a tom brady hater when i was like in my teens because <laughs> i was a peyton manning guy i was like oh manning's better than brady like brady's overrated he's just a system quarterback just a glorified system quarterback i fucking take that back i'll eat those takes like that was that was wrong brady's <laughs> brady's the goat for sure but man like i don't i don't know i think i'm gonna stick with pat dude i think i think mahomes is gonna win this one the dude's just the dude just pulls it out he's a winner and uh i know i'm using the cliches but like the dude just balls out dude like he somehow finds ways to win so i'm gonna i'm gonna take the the chiefs in this one all right all right now on the polar opposite of winning we'll talk about your franchise your team <laughs> uh any any thoughts any you know cries for help what what are the texans uh how are they going to salvage this one dude it, it, it's it's so it's so shitty man like being a texans fan has been such a such a crazy experience over the last 10 years of like going from Matt Shaw, who's like the most average of average quarterbacks, gets you gets you to the playoffs, and then and then we would the, we go to the playoffs, always end up losing to fucking Cincinnati or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for like six straight years, or we might beat them, but then get our you know get blown out by the next team in the divisional round, and then we get the savior, we get Deshaun Watson. And like, okay, you know, we're we're in the upper echelon. We just need to put some talent around this guy. We can be like the Chiefs. You know, we can we can do this. We can become a perennial perennial contender. And we we fucked that up too. It's like, <laughs> damn. It's like, what are we supposed to do? Like, like being a fan is so tough. And now everyone wants to leave. Now JJ's pissed off. JJ Watt, probably the most famous Texan of all time, is is, is pissed off. He wants to leave. Like, what, like how is how do the Texans become the most dysfunctional franchise in the city of Houston when Houston is filled with other dysfunctional franchises and the Astros and, and the Rockets? Like, what is going on in Houston, man? Like, the sports franchises don't have their shit together. And I, I'm just – I'm so upset that we're going to lose Deshaun now. And it's like, you know, when you have a good quarterback, you always have hope. You always have hope. Like, you know what? We 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 get eke out. We can get into the playoffs, even if we have like really shitty talent. We, you know, if you have a good quarterback, you have a shot. 
and now we're not we're not gonna have that either because Deshaun wants out. And you know, I think he's gonna get dealt. I think we're gonna trade him. I mean, the silver lining is the haul you're gonna get for Deshaun Watson is gonna be <laughs> gross. It's gonna be gross. Borderline egregious. Saw, when has that worked that. out though? Like when has it ever worked out like trading a quarterback at I mean I guess the closest one that I can think of, I guess RG3 when the Chiefs gave up like everything for him like oh, seven man. years ago. But who who's the biggest person to come out of the RG RG3 trade? Like, I, yeah, I, it's, it just depends on how you draft. And we suck at that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a uh, like a former. So what is Jack Easterby's deal? Because I guess he owns the team now or is some managing partner. But like, what the hell? He did not have really experience like managing like football initiatives beforehand. No, I think the Texans were like, you know what? The Patriots are really good. They win Super Bowls. Let's just start hiring people from the Patriots. Yeah. You know what? Solid move. I don't even, I respect that. Like, let's get some good talent and smart people in here. But this guy just comes in and thinks like he can run the show. And somehow like he's, he's like hypnotized the owners. Um, uh, I forget Steve McNair or whoever his name is like hypnotized them. And it's like just calling the shots and thinks he owns the team. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know who, where Easterby came from. I don't understand how he can just like walk around like that and just do that and pull this shit off. It's, it's unbelievable. His, yeah, I'm going to talk about his resume real quick. I mean, because it's kind of astonishing. He was like an intern and then a character coach for the South Carolina. Then he was a team chaplain of the Kansas City Chiefs. And then he went on to be the character coach at the New England Patriots. That's, that's just wild because they, they hired him to deal with the Aaron Hernandez stuff uh, when oh, that was okay. going on. And all of a sudden, you jump from character coach to the executive fucking vice president of team <laughs> development. I mean, something's a little fishy. And I, I don't doubt that he's a smart guy, like you right. just said. But, I mean, man, that's, that's a jump. That's a big jump. <laughs> I, I don't get it, man. And I, I'm just so, I'm just so frustrated. Like I, I, I'm, I, I, there's no more words for me to say. I'm just frustrated at the whole situation. We're probably never going to get another quarterback like with Deshaun's talent in a long time, unless if we trade for Tua and he ends up just like figuring it out and like somehow likes it here. That's the only thing that makes sense. Or if we trade, trade for Darnold and like Darnold figures it out. But if we're going to like, my biggest fear is we trade for like four first round picks or whatever but if we don't have a good quarterback, like it's not, like, we're not going anywhere. Like you have to have a talented quarterback to win in the NFL now. And like, we have that right now. And if we don't like, you just, I, I don't understand how you can be optimistic. I I'm, I'm full on like pes- pessimistic right now. That's not even my vibe, but like, I just, I just don't know what else to be like. It's just so hard <laughs> to like see the light at the end of the tunnel right now. So quick scenario, say if, you know, Deshaun gets traded to the jets, you get that number two overall pick. Assuming Trevor Lawrence is off the board, are you going to take a quarterback? I I mean, I guess you have to. I think you have to take Fields, or I think there's another kid, I forget his name, but he's that's going up the draft boards. Like, I think you have to, because again, like if you don't have a good quarterback, like what are you doing? You're just gonna be you're just gonna be mediocre and you're gonna be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like you you have to oh, like man. <laughs> that's <laughs> rough. Wow. <laughs> but, I mean, but, but think about it, right? Like, look at the Chargers, right? They went from just like a mediocre, mediocre, and now they got a potential, like, you know, all pro quarterback. And like, whatever few Chargers fans there are, like, every, they're pumped. Like, even if they had a pretty shitty season, they're all pumped that Herbert is a potential player. Like, you need a quarterback. And if you don't have a good quarterback, like, you're going to be the Bears, you're going to be the, the, the Jaguars. Like, you, you're just going to be just floating around, but you're never going to get to the Super Bowl because quarterbacks win in this, in this league. So, yeah, man, that's the depressing part. 
So we went, we had our highs and our lows. We went from talking about the finance bros to the woes of the Texans. Uh, Zade, we appreciate you so much for coming on. Thanks for spending the time with us. Uh, any closing thoughts, any, uh, any new content that we should be seeing from your end? The floor is yours to share uh anything you'd like plug away man <laughs> well thank you guys yeah i mean i've been uh, i've been po- posting on tiktok my tiktok account is admani underscore explains check that out um i'm also going to be launching uh, i have a youtube channel but i'm about to start posting some fresh content on there and then a lot of people have been asking me for a podcast too i've been so inspired by you guys that i gotta launch one too so um i i had, I had launched one last year but i'm relaunching it this month it's called business banter check it out it should be available on all platforms and subscribe and I'll start posting, you know, basically market news three times a week, just start, you know, cranking out as much as I can and just talking about like the crazy world and finance that we live in and like all the players and try to break things down in an easy to easy to way understand. So, uh, yeah, that, that's my plug. And like I said, I'm, I'm excited to start producing more and more content. I mean, I think this year is going to be one of those like game changing years when it comes to, uh, finance and, and uh, I just want to be along for the ride. We're excited to see what uh, you know. You you come up with. Obviously, you've garnered a pretty big following elsewhere. You know, on TikTok and uh, Twitter too. You're tweeting a lot and you're getting a lot of good creds from like TikTok investors, uh, Twitter. So that's pretty cool. But uh, Zaid, we we always appreciate it. You're more than welcome anytime. I'm sure we'll be. There's going to be like something next week that happens <laughs> massive, and we're going to be like, "Fuck, we're going to call Zaid back up." <laughs> But I'm in absolutely anytime. Yeah. Zane, we appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure talking business with you. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. And that was just Zaid Edmani, friend of the program, great guy overall. I mean, he breaks down business how people need to understand it. Because, like he mentioned, you know, with this whole GameStop situation, a lot of people are just throwing into the money, throwing in money without any knowledge or background or education behind what they were actually doing. And it was a cool movement to watch. It was exhilarating. It was, you know, I love the March Madness um, comparison because it's like no one was doing anything but following along what was going on in the stock market, but not many people knew what was actually going on. So Zay does a great job on his social channels to explain all of that, you know, whether it's something as serious and exciting as this or something as little as like you know uh tnt t or sorry sprint no what is it t-mobile and sprint t-mobile and sprint. t-mobile and sprint merged they merged um apple coming out with the new iphone all of that so he's a great guest and uh we hope you enjoyed that and got a better understanding of the shit show of gamestop and robin hood in the suits and everything that happened zate's got a gift and it's like, you know, he just breaks down this stuff. It's so easy for him to understand. Um, it's, you know, at, at its core, I think we we all understand what's going on. But when you hear Zade explain this stuff and it goes viral, you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of get it. And that's what we talked about in our first interview with Zade way back um, a few months ago, almost a year at this point. But Zade, good friend of the program, uh, go subscribe to Business Banter when it comes out. That is your number one source for business news um, and what's going on in the stock market. Um, Dade is a great mind to get your business news from. Do we have anything for Positivity Corner? Positivity Corner. So there was a couple of things I wanted to touch upon, but I think with the honor of the Super Bowl, uh, one of the funnest things I would have to say are the prop bets. Uh, people could say the commercials, but the commercials started getting cheesy. They used to be like, you know, 30 good commercials out of the 100. Now it's like 
five that really stick out, but we are a part of a, you know, big prop bet coming up. We are. Yep. So I just wanted to read Entertainment some. purposes only. To entertain. 1-800-GAMBLER, you know, gambling. Yep. That, that thing. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> Um, so obviously you have your, you know, your t- typical prop bets on who's going to win the Super Bowl and receiving leaders and touchdowns and yada, yada, yada. But let's go into some of the fun stuff. Over under national anthem time. The line right now is 113 and a half seconds. Coin toss outcome, heads or tails. Gatorade color dumped on the winning coach. Did you see the note on that too? It's glacier blue, all those like electric freeze bullshit. That is all blue. Blue. It's all blue. Will the first commercial be a car or a food following kickoff? I wonder if it's zero. Parent company of the first of the first commercial, uh, whatever company might that that might be. (laughs) Procter and Gamble. Done. (laughs) Will Budweiser have a commercial? That's an interesting one because they said they're not doing it, and that means they probably will. Who will the weekend have as a guest performer? Yeah. Over or under commercials with a dog on it, four and a half the line. What color headband will Pat Mahomes be wearing? First song to be performed by the weekend. I want to say Blinding Lights, but. Uh, he might close with I that, feel like though. he might, or it might be coming in the middle. I don't know. Puppy Bowl winner. I'm going to have to do my research on that. It's, isn't it Team Rough or Team Gruff or some shit? Rough or Fluff. Fluff. That's what it is. Will Tom Brady or Pat Mahomes be in a Super Bowl? And I don't know what this one is. Whose beer staff will be it's taller? It's the last one. It's, just, uh, it's Spinny and, uh, and Jerry. Jerry. They, it's oh. basically picking whose beer staff is going to be larger. Uh, they're taping the beer. Two people yeah. are facing off on our prop league to see you know whose beer staff is going to be higher. And I honestly don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, those are, all, those are all good fun ones. Couple other prop bets. I mean, will they zoom in on JPP's hand? <laughs> no. Um, will no they? Can I get that somewhere uh, for entertainment purposes only? Probably. I mean, we might have to set the line. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely the puppy bowl one's got me thinking, but it's always a good tradition. Hopefully, we can stop by at our good old friend, uh, the Twin River. Mr. River. To pick up our 20-page booklet of all the props. I mean, I actually did pretty well last year. I think I, you know, won 180 bucks off $100. I mean, my biggest one was a fullback catching a touchdown because oh, I saw yeah, that, right. Right. and I was like, yo, that's a funny prop. Like, Because Kyle Jusick scored one, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, it was over under half a reception, and then fullback touchdown, and then a fullback receiving touchdown. Those three alone, I, I put $5 on each prop bet. Th- those three alone netted me like 70 bucks. Oh, man. And I was just like, I think it's funny that a fullback, they, they have that, and the line's so low. And I, yeah, there we are. But so. I mean, in this time around, it's more than likely not going to happen. But what if Anthony Sherman comes out and does that? I mean, that? word on the street, I'm no weatherman, it's supposed to be raining. So oh. I'm going to go under on some passing touchdowns i think they're both at two and a half for brady and mahomes oh man i read somewhere that mahomes only threw two or sorry three touchdowns and more in four or five games this season out of you know 14 because he sat out the two in the bye so interesting um a lot of running we got playoff lenny we have clyde edwards elair we got levy on bell um a lot of good a lot of good uh a lot of good matchups, but final prediction. 
Don't do this to me. Don't do it. Pick a winner. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I went on a podcast the other day and I said that Chiefs are going to win, and I also followed it up with shame on me for thinking Tom Brady's not going to do it. I, he's going to do it. The Bucks are going to win this game. Tom Brady's not going to be denied in his home. Like for all the shit he's done. He's trying to separate himself from the Pats and from Belichick. I think it's foolish to say that he's not going to go out there and have the game of his life. I uh, fuck, and I know that either prediction is going to bite me alive because I know the nasty other side of it. It's like Tom Brady's going to go out and throw fifty yards, or you know, if you're thinking of the Chiefs, it's like shame on you. You bet against Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, my percentage right now, which could fluctuate. <laughs> 51-49 in favor of the Bucks. Are we a Bucks podcast? I don't know. I don't know. But only time will tell, and we'll see you next week, and hopefully we're right. Oh, man. It just, it's so frustrating. I don't know. I don't know. Stop asking. <laughs> so all picks are subject to change. Going to be a good one. So we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. Uh, hope you enjoyed Quentin Demps and Zade Admani for episode 40. That's Will, and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy.